Good morning, everybody. Uh, did anyone forget to set your clock? Yeah, a few. <laughs> well, that's okay. Well, if you're a guest with us today, we're in a series called Rebuild, and it's a little bit different than we, uh, we do series, but this has been a little more um, involved, maybe. It's been exciting. We've even built a wall up here, and there's some really interesting stories behind that. Uh, so today we're talking about an everlasting legacy. Now, you might recognize that word legacy. The word legacy, uh, people think of as uh, property that probably they will leave to their children, um, their families when they die. And I don't know about you if you think about those kinds of things, but I do because I learned a long time ago that you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. So it's important to think about those kinds of things and think, uh, think on those things. So we're going to talk today about a legacy and what it means to have an everlasting legacy. Most people want to leave something to their children when they're gone, when they've passed through uh, maybe you've had an inheritance that you've gotten from your parents, and most people want to do that. It's even biblical. Uh, Warren Buffett, though, he says he wants to uh, end up with a balance of zero when he dies. That means he's going to have to spend a lot of money, and he doesn't really want to give that kind of inheritance. But biblically, God calls us to think about those kinds of things. Uh, it's, it's really about leaving something behind to to remember you beyond the grave. Now, my brother called me the other day. He's 66 years old. He's actually in China right now for the month. And he talks to me about retirement all the time. He says, okay, you're going to love this. <laughs> and uh, he's loving his retirement. But he also said, I'm, I'm going to do my will. I've got to do my will. And so he was asking me if I'm left here after uh, he's gone, if I would help him out with that, and, and certainly I said I would do that, but he's thinking about that right now. But most of us, probably, uh, and people that you know that have already passed from this earth, have a tombstone with their name on it. Or even if somebody's cremated, there may be a little plaque somewhere with that person's name on Why? Why would we do that? Because we want to remember that person, right? We want to acknowledge that that person was part of this earth and had kind of pass through. Have you ever thought about what you'd like to have on your epitaph? I've thought about mine, and here's mine. You can't steal it. Here's mine. At least she tried. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> you know, at least she tried. Uh, I might have messed a lot of stuff up, but at least I tried. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> You can actually use that if you want to, okay? <laughs> when Harry Houdini died in 1926, I, I watched a documentary on him. It was really interesting. And when he left, he left his magician equipment to his brother, Theodore, and he left his library of books to the Library of Congress. He left those things behind. But he also left something else pretty interesting. He left a 10-word code for his wife, so that she could contact, or that he could contact her after he passed from this life, that he could contact her from the grave. Now, she held a seance every Halloween for 10 years. Houdini never appeared. Can you believe that? Can you actually believe that? <laughs> and then there's another one. There's a legacy of Vermont tanner John Bowman. 
who believed that he and his dead wife and two, children, and two daughters uh, would all be re reincarnated together. And so he provided a $50,000 trust fund for the maintenance of his 21-room mansion. And he told his servants, he let them know, they were required to serve dinner every night just in case the bowmen showed up and they were hungry. And uh, they returned from the dead. So needless to say, the bowmans never made it to dinner. Can you believe that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and the trust money, well, it ran out in 1950. And without a doubt, Houdini and Bowman, they both had this desire to leave something on earth to be remembered by, and they had no idea that at Salem Fields on March whatever, 2016, that they'd still be talked about in a church service. But nevertheless, they left those things. That's what they desired. And while it lasted for a time, both failed to leave anything that poured into people that would go on and on and on, on into eternity. And that's what an everlasting legacy is. So, how about you? In light of all the ways that you can leave your mark on this world, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? I wonder how many Salem Fielders are following in the footsteps of Houdini and Bowman and just might possibly miss leaving an everlasting legacy. I hope no one misses that. I want to leave an everlasting legacy. And to understand an everlasting legacy, we first need to look at the Latin word for legacy. And what the Latin word originally meant was ambassador. It meant ambassador, and it was referring to a group of people who'd been sent out on a mission, ordained to go out and accomplish the will and the testament of the king. Now, the Bible teaches us the same thing. The Bible teaches that Christ followers, if you follow Christ, and most of you were drawn to church today, that we are to be an ambassador, and that we're to leave an everlasting legacy by accomplishing the will of our king, Jesus Christ, to pass the faith along to other families, to our family, to other people, to future generations. Now, last week, Buddy told of how early in our marriage, in our family, I fought for our family. And I want to tell you why that was, because I believed without a shadow of a doubt I believed with all my heart that if our family broke apart, that it would break the everlasting legacy that was passed down to me. It was passed down to me from, from a couple of generations beyond me. See, I want to leave an everlasting legacy. It's my heartbeat. It's my purpose on this earth. And when my father died... Uh, I was 15 years old, my sister was six years old, my three older brothers had already gotten married, moved away from home. My mother had never worked outside the home. She was fully dependent on my father. It was a very traditional home, and she took care of the home, and she had never had a, a job outside the home. And, and my father left us with, he, he died when he was 46 years old, and he left us with no monetary means at all. He didn't believe in it. 
He didn't believe in uh, insurance. There was no savings. There was nothing to care for us financially. But here's what he did leave us. He left me an everlasting legacy of faith in Jesus Christ. And I took it very seriously after I got in my, well into my 20s that it was my responsibility to pass that on and to do whatever it took to keep that family intact. Because when the family split apart, the people that are watching, which are the younger ones, they're not going to believe in that God anymore because he didn't work. And so no matter what it took, I decided I was going to fight for this marriage. That's why I fought, because of this everlasting legacy. Because what happened was, for my mother, she went into a tailspin, and it was really, really difficult for her. But I heard later that one of the reasons that my father did that, his value system was that if you have no material possessions, you have to depend completely on God. And you know what? That's what we did. And my mom, I saw her over time after she kind of got her balance again. I saw her faith develop deeper than I had ever seen it when my father was alive. And she influenced me, and she poured God's love into so many people. She stood on the wall for me, and so did my father. And she showed me that depending on God meant everything. And when she died, she had paid for her funeral, and uh, I got a little bit of money. Our water heater had just broken down, and it was just enough to pay for our water heater. That's all the material possessions. But what they left me was an everlasting legacy. It's why I'm here today. It's why I fought for my family. That's why. Because God has entrusted me with that precious, everlasting legacy. Now, I had to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ on my own. I couldn't get to heaven on the coattails of my mother and my father. I had to accept that as well. But do you hear what I'm saying? It's not about the money. It's not about the material possessions. It's about how we pour into the lives of other people, just like Nehemiah did and how we invest in people, and how that gift, and how that legacy goes on, and on, and on, and on for generations, and I get to be a part of that, and you can be a part of that as well. That's why I fought. That's why I fight for a healthy church. That's why I fight to continue the message of Jesus Christ. My ambassadors were my mother and my father and a lot of people in my childhood that stood on the wall for me. So grateful for that. The book of Nehemiah closes with his appeal to God to not forget his everlasting legacy. Nehemiah appealed to God. He said, remember me, Lord. And guess what? We're still remembering him today. His legacy is part of why we're here today. Is that, I mean, that's generations of what they did, Nehemiah's heart cried out for a lasting legacy, a legacy of faithfulness to be an ambassador for the king, for his king, Yahweh, Jehovah, God. You and I are still recipients of his legacy. The, when, when he and the Jewish people uh, gave, what they gave came down through generations to us, 
And it's making a difference in my life today. Because we can stand on the wall just like he did. An everlasting legacy is one with eternal value. It keeps on going. It's far more valuable than material possessions, more important than a temporal legacy of secret codes or money or property. And guess what? There are no estate taxes. Don't have to pay a dime on that estate, on that legacy. Now, what you're going to see is a group of ambassadors back in 1996 that decided that they were willing to stand on the, law, on the wall for future generations. People who took a chance and said, you know what, I want to be a part of something that has an everlasting legacy. It was a faithful group of people that Buddy and I found when we came to this, to this church, to Fredericksburg. And those people, that small group of people, faithful people, are still here today. And, and they decided to stand on the wall and to, and, to do, and to invest their lives with an everlasting legacy. And all of us today have been influenced by what you're going to see here. So we brought, we brought you here today because we want people to um, kind of see who the Nehemiahs were, who the people that stood on the wall early on uh, so that uh, all, all this happened because there was a group of us that decided we're going to stand on the wall. And uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit about that today and what that meant to you and why you did that and why you're still standing on the wall. You know, a lot of people have left, but you're still standing on the wall. So, Jenny, what, tell us what it was like for you to come to, sit, to this church and um, not really wanting to be here and you came anyway. What, what was that like for you? Well, it was really hard because I was young. I was a teenager, and I had a little baby, and I was scared and had felt rejected from where I was before. So I was afraid that the same thing was going to happen. So it was really scary, but, um, you know, I just knew that um, I needed to kind of follow and be obedient at that point, and that was kind of difficult, but, you know, worked out. Well, Alan, let me ask you, what caused you to be willing as uh, a leader in the church at that time to be willing to stand on the wall and risk bringing a really broken family in to lead that church? I guess um, my perspective at that point and, uh, and now is that uh, we were all broken uh, and are broken. And so... Um, uh, to expect uh, our pastors or pastor's family to be any different than us um, uh, wasn't fair to them, and it just seemed to be uh, the right thing for us to do as a church. So, Charlotte Raymond, you, uh, you were in the church for a long time before we came, and when we started talking about vision, and what, what did that conjure up in you? What were you thinking about? Vision is reaching the lost for Christ, and that has always been uh, when we first started in the church. That has always been the pool um, is reaching the lost. I want to first of all reach my children, and that remains the same. It doesn't hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. Well, I know a lot of you sacrificed you've watched what god has done with a small group of people coming together and fighting for each other really uh robin you have tears in your eyes what's that about 
reaching the lost has always been our desire. And I think back to one of my favorite things is when we actually got here to this building. And, and it was almost like that movie, if you build it, they'll come. Yeah, and it was like crazy watching God do that. I mean, we hadn't done anything other than be obedient. And when the doors opened, it almost seemed as if he flooded the people in here. And that's exciting to see. It's yeah. exciting to see a hunger for God. Doug and Stephanie, what is an early memory that you have of those early days? Well, one of the first ones is that I think we'd only been attending maybe two or three weeks when you guys had the um, the campaign dinner. And I remember people that we barely knew picked us up at our townhouse and took us to some place we had no idea where we were going. Um, you know, it's just, you know, people being open and willing back then just to help us out, even though we had no clue as to what was going on. So, Sarah, you were here and you were on the board when Gay and I came and interviewed and the board decided to hire us. So uh, what was it for you that uh, has kept you here at Salem Fields for all these years and being a part of it? Mm. When I make a commitment, let's say it that way. It's a commitment. That's all I know. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Well, I'll ask Andrea. I know that in those days, people really dug their heels in and made commitments, solid commitments, like Sarah said. But your sacrifice and what God showed you was pretty special as well. Can you share that with us? For me, I was a young mom before children back then. I still have them, but um, <laughs> I didn't get rid of them. <laughs> so I was a mom of four small children. And uh, for me, I didn't really have a whole lot of time to myself or time to really do much of anything else. And so I prayed and I asked God what, what, I didn't work outside the house. So I thought, what could I do? How can I contribute? How can I be a part of Forward by Faith? And God revealed to me that time was really precious to me. And so I said, he asked for 10 minutes of my time just to spend in prayer with him. And I was obedient, and I spent 10 minutes of prayer every day with him. And for me, that was a real turning point of my spiritual growth. I really began to grow spiritually, began to yearn for a personal relationship with God. And God just really grew me and my family for what I sacrificed, which was time for me. Hmm. So I think about Forward by Faith, and it had to do with giving, giving our finances to help uh, reach our community and build a wall around it even back then and I think of Brad and Melanie and I think being a young couple uh, what what compelled you guys to give in that very first campaign I think the way you laid it out mm -hmm. and um, I don't think anyone questioned that God had given you a vision and that we were going to be uh, a part of changing the community in Fredericksburg and to me that was very exciting so how does it feel for all of you to have changed our community. I think we were one of the first churches to to emphasize reaching the lost and changing the way we do things to make sure that lost people would be comfortable enough to walk through that door. Mm -hmm. And at the time that we started doing that, there were few, if any, other churches in the community 
who are doing that. And there are a lot of churches in the community who do that now. Mm-hmm. And they're growing just like we are and we have been. And that's that's God's kingdom. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether we get credit, that doesn't matter. But I will always believe that we had a role in that. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. So, Frank, do you, uh, do you and Beth have any regrets of giving of your resources? Oh, no, not whatsoever. It's been such a blessing to see uh, us go from that church in Heatherstone to where we are now, even to uh, worldwide in India and Africa. There's, there's no regrets at all. It's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. It is crazy. How it's spread. And that's only what we can see. Right. We have no idea what we can't see. Uh, yeah, I don't think that we had any idea at that point in time what God was, was going to do. Um, uh, yeah, we had a picture of, of what where, where we thought we were headed, but what God has done with that has been far beyond anything that we could have imagined. And, and I think for me and our family and being a part of this, if someone had said, this is where we would be today, this is where the church would be today, it would have been tough to believe. But God took what little that we had at that point in time and, and multiplied it in ways that we would have never, never believed possible. Stephanie. Yes, ma'am. We haven't heard from you. What are some of your early memories of going to church there? Well, I remember when we first started going and a lot of the changes were being implemented, we felt really on board with it because we had been, we had attended churches that were very traditional. And I know one of the examples you gave was when people, new people walk in the door, the whole church shouldn't turn around and stare at the new person. We had seen that. And, and so we had discussions about, you know, church really shouldn't be this way. It should be um, more like what you guys were describing. And so um, when you started explaining things and making the changes, we were like two thumbs up. <laughs> How was that for you, Robin, to go from a traditional type church to a more contemporary church. Do you remember anything yeah, about that? Yeah, I think at first it was a little, there was a little bit of hesitation, I think, because you go, you go grow accustomed to the way you've done, always done it. You know, we've always done it a certain way. But once it began, there was such a life in it, there, you could feel the Holy Spirit. It was just as if he breathed on those services. And, you know, we used to sing those songs and, you know, you'd sing them from a sincere heart. But all of a sudden, there was a life to that, to that worship. There was a, there was an energy there that just you knew God was in it. You just knew it. Yeah, it was exciting. Still is. Well, thank you all for sticking with me on that because I did some crazy things. <laughs> Charlotte, you know Charlotte and Raymond both. We uh, raised about three hundred and fifty thousand. I'm guessing when we did our. Uh, campaign to rebuild the wall then and do something new that God wanted us to do. And and after we raise that, the next week we take this, what we call our first fruit offering. You remember that? And Gay and I remember, and we tell this story everywhere we went telling our story about, we had a lady in our church that said that she was willing to sell her wedding ring mm-hmm. to uh, to make this happen so we could reach people for Christ. Can you tell us how God came through for you. Do you remember how God came through for you? Oh, I remember I didn't have to sell. Yeah. We were willing to do that, uh, but God provided as he has always provided for us in our own home, 
and in the life of our church. He provides because of our faithfulness. And as we're faithful in whatever campaign we're going through, um, the money will be there. The money is such a, a small part of it, but it's an important part. Mm -hmm. But as we pray and we seek his face, uh, he'll show us exactly, as, as he did for Raven and I, he showed us exactly what we were, what he wanted us to do. And uh, that was to depend upon him. So Howard, uh, you've been here probably, you guys have been here longer, I don't know, than anybody. What's some of your early uh, memories, Howard? I can remember the first job they asked me to do was help count you know, with the money and stuff. And I've just stuck with that. And I just felt God, God called me to do, to help with the financial part of the built, you know, keeping things going. And you still do, don't yep. you? I've, I just feel I was called here to serve and uh, I've had no regrets. Mm. And your children are following suit. You yep. have three yep. generations in this yep. church, don't yep. you? Yep, our grandkids are even here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So let me ask you, Raymond, will you, uh, are you, uh, are you still in? You still standing on the wall? Still willing to stand on the wall? Sometimes I feel like I'm under the wall, but I always manage with the Lord's help to climb back on top. Amen. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. So you're here and in. You're, in. you're in. Been almost 44 years here. Wow. And I think that uh, brings up a question. What would you say to somebody, any one of you, what would you say to somebody that maybe is fairly new to Salem Fields and here we are with rebuild and another opportunity to sacrifice and give. Uh, from your experience, what would you say to that person? So jump in and see what God's going to do. Mm. I like that. I would say trust God and go forward by faith. I would say take a chance. Do something that maybe you're not comfortable with and see how God can grow you as a person. And I think you will be blessed, and people around you will be blessed. Mm. I think the first thing that came, when you asked that, the first thing that came out, it's worth the challenge. Mm. That's good. It's worth it. I would say that if I can do it and find my way through it, and I was a single mom and just um, going to college and working and all that stuff, and um, if I was able to do it and be provided for, then you will be, and you'll be blessed because. Like Howard, I don't have grandkids here yet. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> but my kids are here, and they're all in. And my son's serving. And um, the son that I came here with just as a newborn and a single mom, and he's serving. And that's going to make me cry. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's Even though there were changes and things that were uncomfortable for us and stretching us, I always knew that it was to reach the lost Jesus Christ that started 21 years ago that hasn't changed today. Yeah. No, it hasn't. Well, thank you, Charlotte. Thank you for that. Thanks everyone for coming. But we want to we want to show you tangibly, if we can, uh, what difference your giving has made. And so we just we just right now just want to thank you and show you uh, what's happened because of your giving.
Okay, well, we have a couple of people who are just going to kind of share with you uh, what's happened in their life because you are willing to give. I just want to let each and every one of you know that because of your sacrifices and your generosity, I've been able to grow closer to Christ more than I ever thought that I would be able to. Not once did I ever think that I would be in a church ministering to everyone, the youth, your, your children. It's, it's such an experience. I've been able to go closer to Christ, and I've been able to answer my call to ministry. Thank you guys so much for everything that you've done. Thank you guys for standing on the wall. So uh, when I came here in 2003 for the first time, I was just a lost high school kid. I did not know the Lord. I, I didn't even know anything about life, you know, but uh, through your generosity and through you guys believing in faith that God was going to use this place to reach people just like me, uh, I found the Lord here. You know, now I, you know, went on my journey into to worship. And then now as a pastor, I've gone all the way through. And it was because of your generosity and you planting that seed that now I'm saved. My parents are saved and I'm able to lead a whole new generation in my household to the Lord. And it's all thanks to, to your generosity. I'm just so thankful and so blessed for this place. And without it, I would not be where I am today. So thank each and every one of you for your faithfulness. I love you guys. So I just, again, going on the same theme, I mean, the, the generosity is more far-reaching than any of us can ever imagine. I mean, because of you guys, this little man knows who Jesus is. Um, because of you guys, we were able to pray with my mother-in-law on her deathbed. I was the type of person that would probably think my feet would burn if I stepped into a church. <laughs> um, I, was, I was broken. I was at rock bottom, and certain things in life— you know, it feel like a divine appointment. And the day I walked into this church for the first time was a divine appointment. And your generosity has helped us to, to see the value in, in what it does to give and, and how it can reach other people. And it's just been amazing to watch my family, to have this safe haven for our family to reach out. I mean, three years drug and alcohol free, just hit two years tobacco free. And each and every one of you guys have a part in that. So I just want to thank everybody and everybody in this building that's contributed to our family's life and every byproduct from it. I just want to tell you all thank you because uh, I was called to the ministry at 17 years old when I was saved at a youth camp. And then I ran for 17 years from the Lord and I was completely broken, completely away from God and had given up completely to the point where I hated church and everything to do with it. However, because of this place and this building sitting right there, I was able to find Christ again. I was able to reawaken my call, and now I can preach the word of God that God called me to do because of your faithfulness 20-something years ago. So there are people in heaven today because of the gift that you gave. And my daughter knows Christ today because of you, and that's all I care about. That is, it's an eternal lineage, and I can't thank you enough for that. Had it not been for this church, and I wouldn't be here. I literally would not. I, I had hit my rock bottom, divorce, lost my child. 
I had nothing. And then I came and found this place and you guys. And you guys saved us. You saved not only me, but my wife and future generations to come. And I thank you very much for standing on that wall. Thank you. Jared brought us here. I was not looking for a church 15 years ago, but um, I accepted Jesus here. And today, my oldest is about to go on her first mission trip. My youngest is a leader in sharing her faith with her peers. And none of that would be possible if it weren't for the youth. Thank you guys for standing on the wall. <laughs> My name is Lexi. Um, I've had a lot of ups and downs, definitely a lot of downs in my life, um, starting at a really young age. You know, I want to thank you guys a lot for this church. I have a really hard time making relationships. I have a difficulty with that a lot. I just want to thank you guys. Um, my wife and I may have been um, uh, involved in the children's ministry for uh, 14 years here. And we wouldn't have been able to do that without the facilities here to, to be able to meet together and reach them. So I just wanted to say thank you for standing on that wall so that uh, all these lives could be touched. Also, I used to lead a drama group that had nothing to do with church at all. And you guys love them and welcome them. They still meet here even though I'm not directing them. And... If ever any one of them need a church, this is where they're going to go because this is where they're connected. And it's because you gave in the beginning. Thanks for standing on the wall. We're here making a decision today whether we want to continue with that tradition of building for the future. And, you know, you hear these stories, they're, they're past stories, and we can see the results. But there are people who are out there right now for which the decision we make in the next few days and weeks is going to tell us where they're going to be in 10 years. Well, it's so little what you give. What you decide is, is a chunk out of your budget. But 20 years later, we don't miss it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it was, I can't even remember what our first commitment was, but uh, that's a pretty good investment. <laughs> You've really honored us. Um, intangibly showing us what our sacrifice back then has turned into. Um, and I thank you for that. Um, this is the opportunity for all of us to be on that wall uh, for another period of time to build the wall higher and stronger, um, more visible uh, and more impactful in our community. You know, if you're here today and Salem Fields has significantly impacted your life, it's because that group of people started by standing on the wall. You know, I, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about those families as I looked at them, and, I, and that was our sheepy. That was the that was our flock that God gave us. And I'm thinking, none of us had what we call in Kieseltown. None of us had a pot to pee in hardly. <laughs> and look what God has done because they were willing to stand on the wall. But you know, not only were they willing to stand on the wall, 
there's been people since that time that have taken their place on the wall. And by doing that video, no way do we shortchange those folks because there's been many people over the last 21 years that have believed in this place and that have stood on the wall. You know, Gay and Jody and I and Christian, we came here 21 years ago and we came to a church that was loving and caring place. I mean, if there was ever people that uh, loved us, they loved us. And, um, you know, we were there for a year or so and uh, we were doing the same old thing, the same old way, expecting God to do something different. And I've learned in life, if you keep on doing the same old thing, the same old way, you'll get the same old results. And I can remember the day that God broke our heart um, and said that uh, Gay and I went home one day after church and said, you know, we've got to do something different or the same old thing is going to keep on happening. And I, I just say that we came here and uh, God planted a seed in our life. It was a holy discontent for how things were. And as we looked around our community in Fredericksburg, the church was doing the same old thing, mostly, most churches. And God planted a, planted a seed in our lives, a, made our life miserable, that God wanted Salem Fields to be a church that didn't do anything, didn't focus on everything that a lot of churches focus on, but wanted us to focus on people who didn't know Jesus. And that thing burned in our life. And then it began to burn in the lives of those that you saw in this video. And God did a brand new thing. I, you know, probably said this more than you want to hear, but I got to tell you that, you know, it was something brand new. There was not a church in this community that was doing the things that Salem Fields was doing. We, we actually, I can remember one Sunday, we were having NASCAR Sunday. And remember NASCAR Sunday? Oh, yeah. We had a NASCAR here, and I mean, we had NASCAR fans here. And the phone rang, and this guy said he wanted to talk to me. And so I went and talked to him. He was a pastor in another, in another church in the community. He just lit me up and told me, hey, next thing I know, y'all have Britney Spears over there on the stage singing. And I remember saying to him, if, that's, if we can reach lost people doing that, we're gonna, we'll give it a try. <laughs> but, but, you know, I don't regret any of that, and I'm sure Gay doesn't. God gave us a vision to go forward by faith. He planted a seed in our hearts. He planted a seed in Gay's heart to transform this church into something that uh, God wanted to use and do something different in. And I'm just thankful today. I'm just thankful that uh, he's allowed us to be a part of it. You know, we've, we've been honored when you know our background and where we come from to be here and still be serving and still being the pastors of your church, of this church, our church. It's quite an amazing story. And God still has a fire burning in us to reach lost people. I don't have a fire to do a lot of things that church wants you to do. Um, and I don't, you know, you lose kind of, there's a lot of things that go on you just wish you didn't have you involve yourself in, but you got to do it to, to, for the mean, the ends makes the means or whatever to reach lost people. You got to put up with things you don't like. And we got a lot of people need to be, to be um, reached. And I still believe, and Gay and I still believe that Salem Fields Community Church is here on this little hill to reach lost people that do not know Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We get involved in a lot of things that don't matter in a church, but the one thing that matters is people that don't know Jesus Christ, and if they die today, they will go into eternity forever into a place called hell. And as Robin said, hell's way too big and heaven's way too small. And as long as there's one lost person, as long as there's one lost person in Fredericksburg, we're going to always do things like we've done over the last four weeks four weeks if God calls us to do that. So what I'm saying is we need you on the wall. 
If God could do that through that small group of people, and that's nearly all of them unless they moved away and died, uh, then what could he do through us? I know a lot of people are not here today. Great planning to have this kind of day on Daylight Savings Time. That's how we do things here. <laughs> have one of your biggest days of the year when people are sleeping. Um, but you're online, and uh, you don't get off the hook. But anyway, uh, lost my train of thought. But I just want you to say, we need you on the wall with us. Because if God can do something back then that he did through a broken couple and a family and through people who love Jesus and love their, their pastors, what can God do through us today if we'll just get on the wall? If we'll just stand on the wall and do our part? You know, God, God wants us to still reach people. And I know there's a lot of churches out there that do what we do, and, that, and they do it well. And I'm glad, to be one, I'm glad that we're one of those churches that do it well. But I believe God wants to do something new because I don't believe the church, I don't believe the church can keep on doing what we're doing and reach people today that are far from God because people don't want the same old church anymore. Because I don't know, Gay, do you know? I don't think you know, but I know God wants to do something new in this community once again. And I think he wants to do it through Salem Fields Community Church if we're willing to get on the wall and take a chance and make a, take a risk for lost people. Our staff's willing, and they said they're on the wall with us. I will take my place on the wall. 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 So the question is, will you take your place on the wall? We had 68 people take their place on the wall with us on Friday night. Talk more about that in just a minute. But the question we all have to ask, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want one day, do you want people to hear your story and see how God used you? Because I believe this. I believe that one day in heaven, one day in heaven, Charlotte, when you're dead, you and Raymond, after you get fall off the wall and break your neck or whatever, <laughs> you've, been, you've been on it so long, that you're in heaven. I believe somebody's going to run up to you and say, you mean you were willing, willing to sell your wedding band so people come to heaven? Thank you for giving to the Lord. You want me to sing that for you? Thank you. But are you willing to get on the wall for that maybe to happen in your life? Got to connect. You got your commitment card on your chair. Now, there's plenty of them. Don't tell me you can't find one. This place looked like a commitment card when you walked in this morning. There were so many of them. They're laying everywhere. If you're in the cafe, there's commitment cards on the table. If you're online, there's one online. I want everybody to get it, okay? Even if you, even if you say, buddy, this is a bunch of bull. I'm not going to be involved in this. We'll get the card and humor us, would you? Here it is. I want you to go. Everybody got Wave it up in the air. Let's get a fan going here. Everybody got one? Okay. All right, good. Thank you. Some of you still won't get one, will you? Well, when you get to heaven, I'm going to bring you a card so you can wave it. <laughs> here we go. Because if you go somewhere else, I won't be there. Anyway, rebuild. That's what it says. This is a three-year, 36-month commitment. A 36-month commitment to raise the money uh, to help rebuild the things that God has called us to rebuild. 
For your convenience there below, it just says that, that there's a, an example of if you decide to give $78 a month, that would be $2,800 um, over a 36-month period. If you give $100, that's 3600 If you uh, give, uh, you know, on and on and on, maybe you want to give $100,000, that would be great. You can just mark it on there that you're going to give $100,000. But here's what I want to say about all that, and Gay would, would agree with me. We just want you to give something. You know, by giving a dollar, you're saying, you know what, I'm on the wall with you. It's not about the amount of money. You know, God gave us this vision, and he'll provide exactly what we need. But what we need more than anything is for you to be on the wall with us, that we know that we can count on you. That even though you, you, you gave a dollar, that's what you could give, a dollar a week or $10 a week or $10 a month or $100,000. We just want you on the wall with us. We just want you on the wall with us. If this church is significant in your life, we just want you to say, you know what? I can't give much, but this is what I can give. If you say, well, buddy, I can't honestly give anything, then when you write on there, I will pray because we all can do that. We just need everybody, everybody here, and God is going to do something new. He's going to do something new in your life. He's going to do something new in your wife. Think of that. He's going to do something new in your husband. He's going to do something new in your children. He's going to do something new in that family right next to you that's sitting beside you, your next-door neighbor's family, or that, neighbor, or that family down in Smithfield or over in Nigeria, or in India, because of your giving. So, that's, uh, and I, I've told everybody, you, do you appreciate how we saved ink and made that writing so small on there that you can't read it? These are 3.0s. This is a defining moment. No, it's 275s, I'm sorry. This is a defining moment in the history of the church. In order for Salemfields Community Church to plan and move forward, giving estimates are necessary. And you're saying, this is what I'll give. If the Lord will help me, I'll give this. Uh, we've already started getting estimates. Uh, this is a statement of intent. We did that by faith. This is a statement of intent. It may be increased, decreased, or just say I'm not going to finish at any time. All gifts are kept confidential. And no, here we go. We need you to fill this out in a minute. Therefore, I, we, our family, prayerfully commit to step out in faith and pledge the following above our regular tithes and offerings. And then you put your name on there, uh, your address, uh, your home phone. How many of you still have a home phone? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Get rid of it <laughs> and take your phone bill. Somebody suggested this in the last, take your phone bill and give it to rebuild because you, you don't need that. Telemarkers are the only one call you on it. So anyway, that'll save you money too. Give that in advance. Um, your phone number, your cell phone number, your email address. Uh, and then uh, in that little box, it says, my, my, our total gift to rebuild is, and Gay and I, have, uh, we've gotten ours in, and uh, we're on the wall. We're going to stay on the wall as long as God has us on the wall. And you put that amount in there. If it's $100,000, put that in there. If it's $1, put that in there. Ten, whatever, God will have you to give over three years. This is your three-year total that you'll give. And then uh, next week, we're going to have a big celebration, and we're going to take our first fruit offering. We're going to take the offering that gets us started. In other words, you might say, you know what, I, we got to get started, so we're going to give such and such uh, a dollar amount uh, next week to help us get started and uh, to help us uh, get this thing rolling. 
and uh, you plan to make the remainder of your gifts to rebuild uh, annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly, or bi-weekly. I put bi-weekly in there. That's how we'll do ours and we'll, or however you can write in. And then our office is available to discuss the gifts of stocks, bonds, and assets. All gifts are tax deductible. And then check how will you give uh, during a weekend worship venue by issuing stocks or securities through AG Edwards uh, with reoccurring gift, automated, automated bank debit enrollment online through SalemFields.com. You can give on the SalemFields mobile app or by mailing your gift to SalemFields Community Church. And if you're out in the cafe and uh, if you're online, you can download that and then it'll come automatically to us. But what we're going to do now is uh, uh, we're going to, in just a moment, uh, we're going to uh, bring these cards up and put them in the wheelbarrow uh, up front. Um, I think we call it wheelbarrow in Kieseltown, but I think y'all call it wheelbarrow here. Uh, but we're going to put it right here and um, we're going to do that prayerfully and we're going to give God all the praise and all the honor. Well, we had a, we will never ask you to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. So Buddy and I, uh, Christ is the head of this church and Buddy and I are the leaders and we always lead the way. The staff has joined us, the board has joined us, and then Friday night we had all the leaders come together and make their commitments and together uh, they committed $503,000. Yeah. <laughs> Half a million dollars. That means we're halfway there, I guess. So it'll be amazing how no, God... No, we're a fourth of the way there. A fourth of the way? <laughs> how amazing how God will sow that into the lives of people and your legacy will... Our legacy will go on and on and on and on forever. So thank you so much for doing that. So we're going to worship together. And as you feel led to bring your card up, place it here. God will honor that. And then we'll finish out together. 